Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, payroll, tax, and bookkeeping. Now to your hosts, Lindsay Klein, president of Sakline Bookkeeping, and Jeffrey Gonzalez, president of Payroll Guru. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Sakline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. And this is Jeffrey Gonzalez, president of the Payroll Guru. And today we have uh, visiting with us Trey Rush, who is the merchant services extraordinaire. Um, his company is Paytech, and he is here to um, teach us about some changes that have been going on. So right, I understand from you that there's some huge regulation changes that Visa has made. Mm-hmm. And you were so passionate about talking to this. You reached out. When can I get back on? We have to talk about this. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, a crazy turn of events how this is rolled out. And I'm guessing that neither one of you have heard anything I about this. I don't even know what you're talking about. Explain so you're it to me like I'm five. I'm, yeah, I, <laughs> I had to have it explained to me like I was five. Yeah. So I, I, this, this should be no problem whatsoever. Okay. So, so how does this affect business owners? Well, that's that's the main reason why I wanted to come on because we have a pretty good understanding of what's going to happen, but it's there's no clarity to it, and, and that is the the main issue that I have with. It. Now, before I go into anything, I want to give my disclosure. I am not a lawyer. This is not legal advice. I am not employed to represent Visa in any way nor any other card brands. So this is my professional. Uh, experience and opinion that I've gathered by talking to executives and other payment professionals and other major ISOs and card companies. So it's, and and even I don't have a firsthand interaction with, uh, with Visa or, or, or the powers that be, I guess you would say, um, that are, that are, that is rolling this out. So, um, Really briefly, I have to preface what I'm going to say with um, I, we t- we've talked about this uh, differential pricing, pricing where uh, business owners have decided to pay or to to pass along the cost of accepting cards to the customers. There's been various opinions on that. In this case, it doesn't matter, right? Um, Visa's never liked it. Okay. No, they've never liked what specifically? They've never liked the customer experience aspect. Um, that they they essentially again my opinion is that they have felt like they the cause the cardholder is being punished or penalized for using their product okay so i could see where visa would not like that because it would de-incentivize a customer from using a card and they might opt to use cash instead because they have to pay more by using the card correct that is that is the general uh overlying reason for all of this now the data actually contradicts this the data is actually we have a lot of data now since all these programs have been coming out that it actually doesn't affect customer spending hardly at all um i mean it, on a credit card on a credit card yeah it just doesn't um in a lot of cases the volume actually goes up um because they're adding that cost to it and you know, people in, in our society now, they just kind of understand there's a cost for convenience. And so the reason I'm guessing that credit card spending would increase with that is because more business owners 
will take credit cards because it does not cost them money. That is a, that is a factor. Yeah, it, it, it is. There's more people willing or more business owners willing to take it because it doesn't have such a huge financial burden. I mean, if you think about it, in some cases, it's like the third or fourth biggest expense. Yeah. Like you really have your rent, yeah. your payroll, your inventory, maybe some utilities, but then like so yeah. you as a salesperson, because you sell credit card merchant services, I would assume you see this where you go to a small business owner that's not currently accepting credit cards from customers. And I would assume it's easier to sell credit card services to that customer if you can tell them you can offer this option where you pass the cost on to your customer and it doesn't cost you anything. Um, I wouldn't say easier. Um, you would think that that would be the that would be the the initial thought, and that's what I kind of thought as well. But then there's the other thing: like m- business owners don't want to be the first of anything. Like they don't want to be mm-hmm. the first one in their market to roll out something different than what everyone else is doing. So you got some hesitancy there. Um, and then there are the first and and only concern is what will my customers think? Yeah. You know, they put themselves in their customer shoes not willing that they've paid similar fees for almost everything else whether it's going to a movie ordering your tickets online amazon whatever like there's always a convenience fee or service charge of some sort with almost everything we do now okay but there's some rules around this right because Mm -hmm. i i've seen this and i've heard this in one of my businesses i was trying to pass along that fee and I was met with a bunch of red tape. Can you explain why? Because I still don't understand. Well, and that is exactly what I came here to talk about. Okay. So that was a great question. So what happened is um, the New York Attorney General uh, sued a business called Expression Hair Designs a while ago. And this case was fought over that. It actually went all the way to the Supreme Court where they lost. And basically it was determined that a business owner has the free speech rights. And that's what it's been based on is free speech rights to communicate their price however they want okay and that forced visa to roll out a solution to it and it was called and it's called compliance surcharge and what that rule is is and there that is the main changes that we've seen recently is to that program um you're not allowed to add a fee to a debit card you can add it to a credit card, okay. not a debit card. And that is causing a huge disruption in the industry right now because they don't have... Now, is this only for Visa? This is... Yeah, yes, but no. I mean, Visa pretty much sets the standard. I mean... Okay. They're the largest by they're far. By, by so far. this is not government regulation. Not at all. This is Visa regulation. That is very important distinction because okay. the Durban Amendment has basically said that you have the free speech rights to communicate your price however you want. Visa is saying, no, this is our product, and we set the rules on how to use our product. But they're so big that it kind of becomes, well, it's making a national impact, so how does the government regulate that? Right? It's like yeah. fa- it's like the it's Facebook like, it's like thing. Facebook. Same thing. You yeah. know, it, well, is it is it free speech or is it their right it's to censor right me? To it, yeah. Like, w- how does that work? So, it there is some. I, I my interpretation again. This is just my interpretation. Is that if this gets taken to the Supreme Court at some point, which I think it will, I think they will lose. I think Who will that, lose? Visa. Visa. Okay. I think this is an overreach, and I don't think that it would hold up. But I don't think it'll matter because the time that it will take for that to happen 
everyone is going to comply and everyone is going to change to these new regulations because they don't want to get fined. And there are some massive fines. By Visa. Yes. So what is the new regulations that you're referring to? So when it comes to surcharging, the the rate has been dropped from 4% cap down to 3% cap. So you are not allowed to pass on more than 3% of the cost to accept a credit card. Even if the card charges more than that. Exactly. And a lot of them do. Cards pay, charge Absolutely. A lot more, right? Absolutely. American Express, especially in a card not present environment. Like if you take a card over the phone, well, yeah. that's more. And so you're correct. It, it, even if the cost is more, you're not allowed to charge more than 3%. So the main thing is that the processing companies tried to create programs or did create programs that kind of worked around this with cash discount. Yeah, We've talked about it. Guess. Everyone's heard about cash discount. Cash discount is a program that was targeted to small business owners. And the way cash discount works for everyone listening is that the, the program that they use or the terminal adds a fee to every transaction. And then if they pay cash, it takes that fee away as a discount. So if my, let's say my product is $100, customer goes to, to check out. It's going to add 3%, bringing it to 103 okay? Now if they pay me cash, it discounts it back down to 100 So either way, the business would collect $100. Now, that is the big issue. That is the big issue because it has been a gray area for years. Years and years and years, this has been a gray area. Um, everyone's known about it. It's not been wrong. It's just been kind of in the middle because it's in between that government and private, you know, being Visa as to, to where you can operate. Well, Visa has come out and they've said, look, in a customer experience, if a customer goes to the counter to pay or they pay their invoice or however they pay, if they pay more than the posted price, it is a surcharge. They have clarified that. So essentially, cash discount and the way that it's been done is now non-compliant. When did this happen? This happened as of April 15th. So this is this year, very, 2023. Yes. Okay. This is already happening. Wow. It is already out there. Okay. So, and again, my my from what I am being told is that Visa has partnered with a very large secret shopper organization. <laughs> and they are basically taking when they get a complaint from a customer hey i got a charge on my debit card or you know whatever however they're getting notified that this is happening they can now go in and say okay this business is with this processor now we're going to start visiting all the other businesses under this processor mm -hmm. and finding out which processors are still running these type of programs and handing down fines now the reason why there hasn't why you haven't heard about it and why it, information is still not widely out there is because Visa has been communicating this directly with the processors. Okay. Not with the businesses. Not with the businesses because that's not their customer. Mm. The direct relationship is with the processor. Okay. Now the business Which could be a business owner's bank. It could be a large bank like Chase Bank. Correct. Or it could be an independent firm like you, the one you use or well the banks the sponsoring banks are basically who is behind the scenes helping move the money from one account to the other but 
the processing company, ha- like I said, they have that spots- sponsoring bank, and they've been getting these notices from Visa. And it is basically the responsibility of the processor to make sure that they are monitoring these programs. This is how it's been communicated, from Visa to the processors, right? right? One, one line of communication. The problem with that is that the agreements that the business owner signs with the processor basically is agreeing to pay any additional costs associated with any penalties or fines or anything like that. So So if the processor gets a fine from Visa, they're going to pass that on to the business owners. Correct. Are they doing this? It's... It's we're starting to see some reports of it. So a, a lot of it is really hush hush. There's not some billboard or there's not some giant forum where you can go on and see this happening. All we can, all we really have right now is just reports on what the processors are saying. Um, I have I don't know anyone personally, but as these fines are increasing, because I understand the first fine is five thousand dollars, then it goes up to twenty twenty five thousand dollars. And then the third fine is that the merchant account gets shut down and they can't take cards anymore. So just for clarifications, because I'm <laughs> not fully understanding what Visa wants exactly. Are they saying you cannot charge an, a surcharge or they're just saying you can't charge, you said, more than 3%? So another great question. Let me clarify that. What Visa is saying is that if you if you, if you're customer pays more at the counter than the posted price it has to follow surcharge rules and the surcharge rules are it can't be more than three percent and it can't be on a debit card there's some other rules but those are the two main Main ones ones. okay and all these cash discount programs that are out there are all at four percent they all charge the debit card it's just cash or card right so it charges that no matter what type of card it is. They don't have the ability to determine, is this a debit card or a credit card? So that's where the issues are coming So if in. the payment processing companies were able to make that distinction and say, our cash discount program now is capped at 3% and it's only for credit cards, would it then be in compliance? If they post the right verbiage as well, because it has to be posted at at least two points of contact, and it basically For has the to customer the end yes, user yes okay so like if i was at a restaurant you would want to see it maybe on the door and at the cash register or if you were online it would have to be like somewhere on your website and then when where they get an invoice like that's a way to kind of play it safe but it has to be posted it's not it can't be called cash discount because it's not a cash discount it is a surcharge but that's what it had to be ca- called before right it had to be a cash discount it to, that's that was the workaround. Okay, that was the, that was the that was what it was called to try to avoid calling it a surcharge. Got it. But, but now it has to be identified as a surcharge. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it has to be identified as a surcharge, and uh, like I said, it can't be more than three percent, and it can't be on debit cards. Debit cards are off limits. So, is it, are you saying that it's difficult for them to identify debit cards versus credit cards, or it's impossible? What were you saying about that? So, if you have the right software, like I have a gateway, for example, I have a couple, but one of them it has something called bin recognition, and this is kind of getting off into the weeds and some nerdy yeah. stuff. But basically, if I type in a number, or if my one of my customers types in a number, it knows if it's a debit or credit card automatically. So, so it's kind of like a VIN number of a car. Kind of, yeah. kind of. Yeah, Ben is bank ID number, but 
it, it, the software knows if it's a debit or credit card. So okay. the business is safe using that. So they basically have to have that extra layer and, I mean, to, to be sure they're in compliance. Correct. Otherwise, yep. they'd have to look at the card then, right? And but see, even then... Even I mean, still? Yeah. yeah. I mean, even then, there's nothing... I mean, sometimes they don't say debit card. Um, or... or some it, of them do, but some of them don't. Wow. Or if, let's say, I have a client that's a plumber, and she takes all of her cards oh, over the phone. phone. What if she's not even there? And the customer says, oh, well, you know, it's a credit card. But it turns out they just run it as credit, and it's actually issued from their bank, and it's a debit card. So... Yeah, it's there's a there's ways to do it safely. Like basically, the bottom line is now is if you want to pass the card along, you have to do a compliant surcharge program. There, there are some companies out there that have some softwares that do like a dual price or a comp or a cash discount program, but it's super complicated. I'll give you an example. So, let's say you go to a restaurant. And if you don't want to do surcharge, this is what you would have to do. The rule is the higher price has to be posted. So if I'm charging you more to use a card than cash, that's fine. But you have to post on your menu the higher card price. If, let's say my vajitas are $10 and I go to the register and it's $9.50 if I pay cash, that's fine. Because to Visa, that's not a penalty. That is, I'm giving you a discount to pay cash, a true cash discount. But what you can't do is go to the register, add a fee, and then take it away oh, got and it. call yeah, it a like cash gas discount. stations that say credit cash, right? That's fine. Kind of the same thing? That's fine okay. because they're advertising the higher price. It's not gas is real. It's not a charge added and then removed. Correct. Yeah. That is, that that is, does feel like a penalty. Like yeah. I would be, I would be, because I'm a huge credit card freak. I, I love my points. I, if I you I ever want to know, anybody wants to know oh. the best credit card to get the best oh, travel I love points I love or it. whatever you might get. But now, like now, it would sink into me, and I would be doing the math in my head. Like, is this surcharge? Is this penalty worth the points I'm going to get? Kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, and I could see why that would dissuade me from using one card or another. Well, and that's the thing. And so the programs that I am using, or the pro, the sole program, <clears throat> is Surcharge. I, I've yeah. gone back and forth on this over the last couple of years. And um, it, it, it's based on, I, I've kind of been going this route before all this happened. Mm -hmm. But this just kind of was the final nail in that I pretty much, I only do compliant Surcharge. And actually, okay. the crazy part is, well, my clientele, because it's very service-based for, for my clientele, auto shops, Plumbers, electricians, okay. you know, I'm very heavily service-based. The program has actually been more popular. I went back and I talked to business owners that I wasn't able to get on the cash discount programs because they didn't want it to be either cash or card, right? They were hesitant about that. Mm. Well, now it's like, okay, wait a minute. If I, it, They still have the option to pay with a card. Just pay with a debit card if you don't want the three percent, because let's as you know the points like someone's got to pay for that, right? So it's yeah. not, it's not a free lunch. So either the business owner is paying for your vacation, which is cool. Like I have, Mike, I have cards that, that get crazy rewards and points, and I use them wherever. Yeah, you know what I mean. But if I have a business owner that is doing a surcharge because they don't want to pay it, I get that too. Yeah. You know what I mean? I totally understand that. And here's the other aspect of it. If I'm walking into a business and they're doing a surcharge program, 
which means that I don't get penalized for debit or I don't get charged. I shouldn't say penalized. Got into that conversation. If I'm not being charged to use my debit card, but I am for credit, that tells me that business owner is doing everything they can to keep their prices as competitive as possible. Because otherwise, they would point. just they would just raise it across the board, right? Yeah. Raise it three, four percent, and that's it's more for everybody. Yeah. It's like, look, I can either raise my price four, five, six, eight, ten percent if you want to keep up with inflation now, or I can roll out with this program where, you know, it's a three percent charge if you want to if you want your points and miles and and in rewards or whatever. But if you use your debit card, which is very cheap to accept, then nothing. And so businesses feel like they can still give their customers a choice. Yeah. They you you, you want to pay with card? Fine. Pay with your debit card, which everybody has. Like who doesn't have a debit card in their wallet? Do you have one? No. You don't? Okay. I do not. You're the rare. <laughs> you have one? You shouldn't have asked me. I have one, but I don't keep it in my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> Most 87 We're credit card fanatics yeah, though. Yeah. We yeah. like our bad points. example. Bad yeah. example. Yeah, bad example. Have, sorry, sorry, we're not your target. No, I but, hardly but, ever have to buy a flight. Yeah, but, but you're, yeah, exactly, right? But, you, but your, your exact point is right. Almost everybody uses their debit card. Makes well, me flinch, right? Yeah. But you also pay, it's not just points and rewards, right? I mean, that charge is there because with credit cards, you have zero liability if it's not your charge, right? Right. Not debit cards. Uh, Most banks will, but they actually, don't have to. That's not 100% true. Oh, no? If you if it's run as credit, so a debit card could be run one of two uh-huh. ways. You can put in your PIN number, which is more of a direct transaction, and that's kind of more what you're talking about. But if I if it's run as credit, you still get Visa backing you up. Or Wait, Mastercard. there's no surcharge if you run it as a credit? I thought no. that's what you were saying. No. Oh, so and it's that just is by the, using the card. That is the problem. Oh. That so that is the problem. A lot of people used to think that. Okay. And so. In the old cash discount program, some of them would say, well, just put in your PIN number. Yeah. But now, if it is a debit card in any way, oh, you can't charge it. I'm glad you clarified that, sir. You, okay. You can't sur- – well, you asked a good question. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it, it, surcharge cannot be on any debit card okay. for any reason. Got it. Well, and, and to just go on a little bit of a bookkeeping tangent, <laughs> one reason why I encourage clients and I myself use a card, debit or credit, mm-hmm. for anything I can is because then we don't have to send a 1099 to that vendor mm-hmm. because the processor will be sending it. Mm-hmm. So that is one reason why I like using cards as well, because then I don't have to worry about collecting a W-9 form from them, getting their tax ID number, making sure I send the 1099 form at the end of the year if they qualify. Because if I pay for with cash or ACH and they qualify for a 1099, now I got to worry about that. If I pay for it with a debit or credit, I don't. Look, I, here's the thing. I'm... I'm I'm actually in the same exact boat as you. I have an Amex that I use for literally every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the rewards on it are awesome. I think. And yeah. you know, I probably get a surcharge if I'm going to a restaurant or just in in everyday life. I probably get surcharged three times out of a hundred. Yeah, it's so, very solid. So the 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 benefit for me still using that is still wildly in my favor. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the three percent of the time that it happens, like I totally get it. You know, I, I totally understand. And I it. still pay it, even if I get surcharged. Yeah, I I, pay I am. It. Well, because it's not even the whole fee. I didn't realize until I was looking at these credit card booklets or whatever when I was looking to start adding credit cards to my website. For a Visa signature card, it's like 
six percent, seven percent. It it it. Some of them can be crazy high. The 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 usual cap is around four percent. Okay. But it, still, it, was, it blew I, my mind. I want to know what paying. kind of rewards this Visa signature card that's charging seven percent. You want me to share it? Yeah, we'll get you in. Do they have some good I'll, rewards. I'll, I'll send you a, a referral link. Yeah. <laughs> well, so there's so there's a lot to it, right? So it's what type of rewards that it has, and also how it's being taken. If it's if it if yes. the transaction is yes. being keyed, the likelihood of fraud is higher. Yeah. So the interchange rates, the cost is much higher if it's being keyed. So there, there's a couple of things that go in. And I might have misplaced the decimal. Maybe it was 0.08% instead of, but it was still much higher than the debit card, which was so cheap compared, comparatively. Right. And that was just well, what they were where, charging. You can see where the rate increases with the risk, right? Because yeah. the least amount of risk would be a debit card with a PIN number keyed in. That's why that's, that's much 100%. cheaper. Or yep. ACH even, right? ACH is really cheap too. It can be. It can be it can be one and a half two percent depending on the size well, of the that's transaction. Still cheaper than six percent four percent. Yeah, but I would say a, a physical debit card with a PIN number yeah. would be the safest, you know even more than yeah. an ACH. So I could see where that would be the cheapest. Believe option. it or not, I get very I can do ACH. I do very little of it. Um, the the underwriting process is actually a lot more strict than credit ACH? cards. Yes, way more strict. Because there's no there's visas out of it, the the that protection for both parties is gone now. It is a direct deal, so there's not as much protection. You know, if I pay you ACH, let's say you're a contractor and I pay you via ACH and you screw the job up, who do I call? I mean, what do I do yeah. now at that point? I mean, Getting could, that extra layer of protection. You could try to dispute it with the bank, but that is going to be a large. I mean, I have a question for you too. Sure. Because one thing I do when I see there's a PayPal option, I usually opt for that because I figure I have now two layers of protection, not only from Visa or Amex or whoever I'm using, but also PayPal has some liability protection as well. Mm -hmm. So I figure, okay, if one doesn't work, if something were to happen with this vendor, now I have someone else that can come help advocate for me. Is that right. true? It is. It is. Um, so PayPal is, is what's called a PayFax. So they, they, it's a little different. Like Square is another example. And I didn't even know this. I learned this recently. Like Square basically has one merchant account and then they provide merchant services to all their customers underneath that one merchant account it's not like where you have an account and you have an account and i have an account so that they spread that risk is that why out. it's so much easier to sign up for a square account it's it, easy but it's expensive Holy it, it's easy but it's expensive and the problem is is that it, and it's it's bass backwards because they basically <laughs> they, tr they trust you to, to come up with your own parameters and then if you go outside those parameters then they hold your account and, yeah. then, and then they vet you and then they underwrite you and yeah. hold your funds while this is happening. Yeah. Mm. So I've gotten quite a few clients that have, you know, large ticket businesses like AC companies or whatever that were using Square that have had long term funding holds. I will tell you my own testament. I actually took over a company that was crumbling because Square held all of their funds. And the whole reason I even got to acquire it is because I was able to go in and do without that money and then had to put in a different solution and told Square to take a hike. Um, this has been six months ago, and I think they just recently got funds released, the old 180 owner, days which is, is ridiculous. I cannot believe it. And just now, yeah, it's insane. And because during COVID, fraud went through the roof, mm -hmm. you started seeing a ton of that. Businesses were just getting locked out. 
Yeah. You know, they were they had just any... nothing, no warning, no nothing. Shut down. Could not pull money out. And then we couldn't get anybody on the phone. Right. Yeah. It was horrible. It was horrible. Which is why I tell everyone, you need an agent. Yes. You need an agent. You wouldn't go to court without one. You wouldn't do your taxes on your own. You wouldn't try to sell a house on your own, usually. You and know. that's what you are, correct? That's yeah. what I am. So what's I mean. the benefit of using an agent other than that? So, well, I mean, that's the big part, right? But, I mean, 90% of people that do what I do are sales reps, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. You know, they might be the best people with the best of intentions. But if I'm a sales rep, okay, who is my first loyalty to? It's not to the customer. Oh, got it. Yeah. It's to my employer. Yeah. Because that's who pays me so I can put food on the table. And I have quotas that I have to that I have to meet. I don't have any of that. You know what I mean? My first loyalty is to my client. So I work for my client. I don't work for the processor. The processor works for me and I work for my client. So I can put my client with the best processor that has the best solution. So you solution. work with multiple processors. Oh, yes. Definitely. And so you're, I would imagine, are kind of for lack of a better word, pitting them against each other to get the best situation for your client. Mm-hmm. That That is a really good way to put it. I mean, rate-wise, a lot of them are similar. A lot of times it comes down to who has the best solution, mm-hmm. who has that QuickBooks integration, who has that best invoicing capability. You know, So a, a big part of it is the, the solution because interchange rates are all the same, no matter who you process with. Now, the markups can change for sure. Yeah. Um, and I have a good amount of control over that, but, but yeah, there, you know, who has better customer service? If I have a client that needs, you know, they have a really large ticket they need to run. How much of a pain is it for me to get that done? You know what I mean? Can I make one phone call? Does it take weeks? There, there's a lot that goes into it that you don't deal with until it pops up. Hmm. You know what I mean? So things may run great for six months, but then you have a situation you need help with and you call a 1-800 number and you get someone overseas and you're trying to run your business while doing that, and it's a hassle. Where you could just say, "Hey, try handle this." Hmm. Okay, that I makes like, sense. I like option B much better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times, I'll just get a text. You know, Trey, I this this is what yeah. I need. Okay, cool. Okay. So I like it. It's it's like having an insurance agent, right? right? Like you could deal with an insurance company where you don't have an agent, and. I will say I like that because I have an independent broker agent and anytime I need to cancel things, change things, I just email them and say, here's what I need to do. I never have to talk to an insurance company and it is great. That is what I do. I recently changed that and I, and I have had a few things where it's just a quick email. So yeah, that is basically what I do. Yeah. But also on the front end though, right? Like if you have an agent, they can set you up properly to begin with. Make sure that your parameters are set up correctly. You're on the right type of pricing structure. Because, for example, like I would never set up a convenience store like I would a cabinet guy. Convenience store's average ticket's five dollars. Mm-hmm. Cabinet guy might be an average of five thousand. Mm-hmm. Right. So, the convenience store, the goal is to keep the transaction fee as small as I, as I can. The percentage doesn't really matter because what's five percent of a stick of gum? You know, it doesn't matter. But if they're getting a twenty-five cent, you know, transaction charge every time, they're going to get killed. Oh, you know, versus the it. cabinet guy charging fifty cents a transaction. He doesn't care. He wants the percentage rate as low as possible. So there's a little bit more than that, that goes into it, and being priced correctly to begin with is a big deal. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, one thing I wanted to talk to you about before we sign off here. 
you and I have had the conversation about the 1099K mm-hmm. that recently was started. But then, magically, the IRS said, well, we're going to consider 2023 or 2022, I should say, right. to be the transition year. Because those 1099Ks were supposed to go out at the beginning of 23 mm-hmm. by January 31st. And I think shit was already... I shouldn't say that. Scratch that in editing. <laughs> Crap was about to hit the fan, and they just kicked the can down the road. Right. So now 22 is considered the transition year, but as of right now, this year, 2023... Wait, our government would never kick the can down the road. Right. What are you talking about? Do you, do you think that it's going to happen again? Do you think they'll kick it another year? I, I don't see how they can't. I, I don't I don't see another way. I mean, well, you're, let's you're, explain for those that yeah. didn't hear that episode. Let's explain what 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 happened exactly. Do you want to kind of summarize what the IRS changed? You are the IRS expert. I defer. OK, to you. <laughs> so the 1099K has been in existence for a long time. And that's basically the 1099 that the credit card processors or would it be i guess it would be visa no it's a process is it the processor yeah, yeah, it's a process so it's the processors that are sending it to the business owners correct it is a reporting to the irs of what funds have been transferred now and, it, and it's up to the business to determine what of that is profit and not okay so up until 2022 the threshold for sending this 1099k was twenty thousand dollars for the year. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty high threshold for a small business owner. Now, as of the beginning of 22, the IRS changed it and they lowered that threshold down to $600 just like any other 1099. Mm-hmm. So there was a huge uproar about this because that had huge implications. Yep. I mean, that could go down to somebody that was reimbursing their friend for yeah. uh, travel yeah expenses or Absolutely. something or right. if it, you know restaurants whatever yeah. right i mean anything and everything For a whole year you know six hundred dollars yeah. over the course of a year and and then that of course affects anybody using venmo <laughs> paypal cash app zelle you know there's apparently there were some exceptions and i'll be honest i don't remember which ones were exempt and which weren't i think zelle was supposed to be bank to bank so maybe that right so all these issues started coming up right because all of a sudden people are like well wait what about this what about that well what if this happens what if i'm doing this right and so i think that is why the irs said we're just gonna make 22 a transition year Right. right right And now here we are in 23, and as of this moment that we're recording this, this year is supposed to be, no, this is the real deal. In January of 24, you need to send out these 1099Ks for $600 or more that happened this year that we're in right now, right? We will see. You you think it's getting kicked down again? Well, I mean, the administration or or their whole, the governments, I'm not going to get into sides, but the whole thing was... Well, we're going to hire, they passed legislation to hire these 87,000 IRS agents that you may or may not have seen on social media. And apparently that was a go. And then the new, uh, um, the house turned over. Mm -hmm. And I I guess the first bill that they passed uh, was to put the the halt on that. Now, so I don't know if that still needs to go through the Senate and and whatever um, for that to actually take effect or if they did effectively you know, halt that 
that process to hire all these IRS agents, I don't know if that's affecting this. This is pure speculation on my part. Yeah, because who's going to enforce it? Right. Well, I mean, because the IRS is going to answer the questions that are coming up about it. Right. Because the IRS is not backlogged and completely caught up with all their paperwork right now. As is, they're not what three years behind now. <laughs> yes. Okay, and then you add this hu- monumental, right. you know, data uh, uh, problem on top of that. I just don't see it. Right. Well, and I run a networking group of bookkeepers, and this has been a huge topic for us. That's come up in almost every meeting we've had, where people are bringing up, "Well, I'm not sure about this particular situation. Is this something that the credit card processor is going to send out, or is this something I, as the bookkeeper, need to send out?" And so, how many of these situations arise where it's like, "Well, I'm not sure," and how many of these situations are going to result in two 1099s being sent for the same amount, the same income, basically accounting for it twice? Right. Um, so it's a massively chaotic situation where there's not been much clarification a lot of questions and as you stated not enough staff to deal with the questions right or even the clarification that the staff would even have to know the answer to the question well and it's crazy on how similar this is to the visa issue because you're the tax professional right like most people are going to look to you like what are the answers and you have to be like i i don't i i'll get back to you uh you know when i get answers and it and, and it's that's the only thing you can do because there isn't like a direct this is what it is and the goalpost keeps moving right you know what i mean so that there's not a way and so you know i get a lot of people reaching out to me like you know i get i'm a part of a you know an online you know forum and and it's like do you think visa when they rolled this out it was with the intent of flooding the forums well is this compliant or is this not compliant because you see like 30 posts a day of receipts getting posted and like none of them are compliant anymore Mm. you know what i mean so it's like an inside joke but yeah it's well one thing that i have advised people because this is good practice in general even aside from this issue but this 1099k even more so has now brought a new layer of importance in separating business and personal mm-hmm. and I, expl- I actually posted a video on my social media about this explaining to small business owners if you're using your personal venmo your personal paypal your personal whatever processing company to collect business activity, you're going to get a 1099K now from these processors uh, over $600. But because you use it under your personal, who's it going to go to? You. It's going to go to you, your personal social security number. Mm-hmm. Okay, now this is a magnified problem if you have an S Corp. Well, does that add any liability? Does that is that any personal oh, there's, liability? Not even going into the whole. I mean, even, thing. Um, yeah. just from a uh, just from a legal, legal standpoint, yeah. Yeah. To, this is something I tell clients all the time. From a legal standpoint, you're commingling, yeah, um, and, and you're opening up the opportunity for if you had pierce litigation to pierce the corporate veil, where there's no point in you having that LLC or that corporation because they can say, no, your personal was commingled, so therefore your personal assets are subject to this litigation you, as well. You and the LLC are one and the same. Right. So, yes, from a legal standpoint, there's already an issue there. But I'm just talking strictly right now from a tax standpoint. Now you've gotten this 1099K, assuming that the IRS doesn't continue to kick this can down the road, 
that's in your personal social security number. And if you have an S corp, all of your business activity is going to be filed under your S corp return under your business EIN number. But now you have a 1099 K that's under your personal social security number. Mm -hmm. So this is a yet another layer of complications that can occur, not only from the 1099 K threshold getting lowered, but also from the fact that you're commingling. Yeah. So just don't do it, guys. Don't <laughs> commingle. I find a way to work that into almost a, every episode. Yeah, there's a whole episode about that, too. I'm <laughs> Not I'd have to do another one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, it, and just before we sign off, I, I have a few uh, tips. So whenever we get yes, to that point. Yes, let's do it. So the big thing is my, my concern for the small business owners that have been sold these cash discount programs over the last you know, four, five, eight years, um, it, it, it's, they need to, to have that due diligence because the ax is going to start coming down and I don't know when that will be. I don't know if that's a month from now. I don't know if that's six months from now, because right now I can tell you processors are getting fines. They are. There's reported of a, uh, one processor getting over a million dollar fine. Wow. Okay. Because uh, of, they were, you know, collected, you know, at a first offense, $5,000, add that up to all the businesses that were found out that were doing it, that fine goes to the processor. Wow. Okay. So I, whether that was passed out, passed down to the business, I don't know. Right. Or, you know, at what point the processors are going to, you know, decide that they can't take these fines anymore and start passing them along. I don't know when that's going to be. So the best thing is just to get with a program that's compliant, okay? Either either don't charge the fee or charge the fee. I'm an advocate of surcharging. Mm -hmm. I, I personally think it's transparent, and I think it's a way for all the cards to be out on the table. It's a way for the business not to incur the cost but still give the customer an option to, to pay less. I like surcharge. It's compliant. Visa is cool with it for the most part. They have clear rules that are laid out. It's black and white. There is no gray area with it, which is the good part about this. Like what you said, you know, it, it's a, you know, it will put an added importance on the commingling issue. This will will finally give everyone a black and white answer of what can I do, what can I not do, and if your program, if a, your customer is paying more then your posted or advertised price on a debit card, you got a problem. If you, if your receipt has a line item charge on your receipt, 3% non-cash adjustment, 3%, 4%, whatever it's called, and it's on a debit card, you got a problem. It, it needs to be figured out. So that is my big, that is my, my big tip uh, for the day. I guess. That's right. good yeah. advice. Yeah. So let's say somebody would like some help with this. How can they find you and your company? Um, the the two easiest ways would be phone or email. Um, email me would probably be the easiest. Info at paytechplus.com, just like, it's, like it sounds. Uh, info at paytechplus.com. All right. Awesome. And then phone number? 214-440-1446. Thank you for coming, Trey. It's been great to talk with you and catch up again. And I feel much more educated on this topic now. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. This super exciting. (laughs) No, you clarified. Like I said, this is something I still didn't understand. And I went through that whole process and I still didn't get it. So, yes, honestly, thank Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. I appreciate that. 
Well, thank you for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Sucline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. And Jeffrey Gonzalez with the Payroll Guru. Thanks for joining us. Buy the Books is presented by Sucline Bookkeeping and Payroll Guru. For more information, visit Sucline.com or PayrollGuru.com. The information provided on these websites and podcasts does not and is not intended to constitute legal or accounting advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Sucline and Payroll Guru may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney or accounting professional to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal or accounting matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney or accountant can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.